Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. What's going on, y'all? That's Andrew Ivins. I'm Bud Elliott. This is Cover 3. This is the Need to Know recruiting show for all you casuals out there. We haven't been following recruiting like you should be. Got Ivan's on, National Director 24-7 Sports. What's going on, man? Not much, bud. What, T-minus three weeks till the early signing period, or is it three weeks plus a day? I, I don't really know at this point. <laughs> uh, when, it's got to be plus a day because today's a Tuesday. Okay, there we go. Well, I know we'll be doing – we all day again on 24-7 Sports? I believe so. I've I've heard I've heard the rumors. I've been in the production meeting, but I couldn't tell you when the uh, when the show is actually going to start. Awesome. Well, everybody needs to stay tuned uh, for the details on that. Uh, if you guys haven't been following the series, you can check it out. We have it on a playlist, I believe, on YouTube. And we're basically just trying to catch everybody up over the you know, month or six weeks ish before National Signing Day. You probably should follow recruiting year round because it's to me a leading indicator of what happens in this sport you want to know if a program is about to fall apart or really catch fire you probably like could have known a little sooner if you'd been following recruiting for the you know the four or five months prior to whatever happened uh you know did happen i want to talk about two programs that we think are probably on the right track here i i threw ivan's a bunch of bunch of names and, and he uh, he's like yeah let's let's talk notre dame and let's talk penn state today two programs i know we have pretty big audiences for on cover three what what do you want to start with Let's start with Notre Dame. Uh, we just talked about them a little bit on another show that I do, and I think well, plug the show. What? what, what <laughs> come on, well, yeah, on the twenty four seven Sports College Football Recruiting Podcast. Me and Cooper Patagna, we were kind of going through coaches that are wrapping up year two, headed into year three, just kind of giving them a grade. Really, that was based on on field performance, recruiting, transfer portal, player development, and I think we were both. B plus for Marcus Freeman. And I think when you look at Notre Dame, what stands out to me in in terms of the future outlook of that program is what they've done at the quarterback position. This time last year, they add Sam Hartman from Wake Forest, obviously the transfer quarterback, but they also added a high school kid we really liked, Kenny Minchie, who took a developmental year that was expected. Spin it forward to now this offseason. They're in, in three weeks plus one day, whatever we decided on it being, they're in line to sign CJ Carr, uh, Lloyd Carr's grandson, borderline kind of five-star quarterback for us. I think he's number five in the rankings right now, a guy that was at the Elite 11 finals. And then obviously with all this transfer portal stuff going on, you know, there's rumors of another big name out there that could be making his way to South Bend. And then you look all the way down to the 2025 cycle. They got a young kid committed, Deuce Knight, out of the state of Mississippi, uh, a top 247 arm for us. And he's kind of a wild card. Uh, yeah, 41 inch vertical jump, you know, 4'6 in the 40 yard dash, left handed, 6'4 frame. Um, I just really like what Marcus Freeman has done in, in such a short amount of time when it comes to that quarterback position. And, you know, when he takes over, I don't think that would have been one of your first thoughts. This defensive coach is going to re-fortify or restock or replenish whatever word you want to use for that quarterback room. But that's what stands out to me 
just kind of off the hoof about what Notre Dame has been able to do over the past year, really. And 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 I think they're going to continue to do it because they they seem to be on in on quarterbacks pretty early. You you mentioned they're looking at probably a portal quarterback coming up. Just in case Menchie's not ready to take that leap. Obviously, we like him long term, certainly. And I, I I agree with you. I don't really think that like my first thought was quarterback is what Marcus Freeman was going to attack and have success with. But the recruiting game is just about stacking guys on top of guys, and then eventually some will hit, right? Like we, we can tell you this guy has good tools, this guy has good tools, this guy has good tools, maybe some red flags or whatever. But there's there's really no sure thing. Even like a Trevor Lawrence, probably one of the closest things we've seen, you know, to a sure thing, but not not necessarily a, a sure thing in, in the game. So you do want to keep stacking those. And that chip they're stacking now with CJ Carr. What what do you like about CJ Carr? I love him between the ears and got to spend some time with him out at the Elite 11 finals. And I had cross paths pass with him. I, I think he threw at, at what, National Combine maybe two years ago when he was a youngster. And at that time, what, what really stood out was like he wanted to be the best kid on the field. And we're talking about an event, a camp where – 1,500 kids are, are working out, and, and the quarterbacks are usually pretty cocky. They're self-aware. Um, they know who the other, quote-unquote, big-name recruits are, the other dudes. And I just remember C.J. Carr in that instance being like, all right, this is this is going to be me, right? Like, I, I, I'm going to get the All-American Bowl invite today. And he, he did end up punching his ticket to it. And then, so you go to the Elite 11 Finals, spend some time with him. I mean, he's just... I don't know. I can see guys kind of gravitating towards him and his leadership skills. I think he told me he's like nationally ranked in, in chess.com on the app. He like plays pickleball or tennis with his mom in his free time. He's just he's just wired a little bit different. And I kind of I kind of love that. And when you turn on the tape, pro style passer, but man, when things kind of break down, his ability to to create um, it, it certainly kind of stands out to me. And he has come up big over the years uh, in the playoffs there in Michigan. He's not playing for one of the most talented teams. It, it seems like there are instances where he continues to elevate uh, the players around him. So I like that about CJ Carr. We were looking forward to seeing him at the All-American Bowl. That was going to kind of be his his final thing. But I, I believe he's either going to start classes. And, or It's not even early enroll anymore. It's He's going to show up at Notre Dame and, and participate in some bowl game stuff. I think he's also might get a minor procedure done on his shoulder or, or something like that. So unfortunate we won't see him there. But um, just out of all the quarterbacks I've seen Notre Dame take kind of in recent years and having watched them and, and seen them at the All-Star Games, uh, C.J. Carr is the one I feel the best about. So no five stars so far in this Irish class, but they do have six players who, well, Five who are in the national top 100, and then one in Keaton Young, who's who's rated 102nd. Out of out of their they're like their next five or six guys, it seems like they do have some real athletic difference makers, though. Who one of the complaints against Notre Dame has been when they went up against like the very best teams, they weren't always hanging. Although this year, I would say if you take the jerseys off against Ohio State, there wasn't much difference athletically. Like that, those were fairly evenly matched teams. And you know, if, if Notre Dame can manage to have 11 guys on the field, who knows? what would have happened there at the end. Uh, which of those guys are, are your favorite in this class? Well, I think, Bud, you bring up a, a great point there. So like what Marcus Freeman has done at the quarterback position, but I think the entire roster has just got more athletic across the board since he's over overseen the whole thing. And whether that's the second level on defense or even in the secondary, and then you flip it over to the other side of the ball, uh, they just seem faster, a little more twitchier, a little more athletic. So uh, I do think that is you're, you're on to something there. And th there's some of that in this recruiting class. I mean, uh, start at the top of the list, Cam Williams, uh, wide receiver out of the Chicagoland area. I mean, this is this 24 cycle is one of the deepest wide receiver cycles in recent memory. I think we right now we got eight different pass catchers that hold five star grades like I don't really like that but that's because these guys are that good i mean usually we're trying to model ourselves after the nfl draft right how many wide receivers every year are going in the first round i think over the past five years it's like roughly six or seven so we're one over uh and then that just bleeds into the top 50 and then into the top 100 and i think any other year maybe cam pam williams is a five star we'll see how all this shakes out 
Um, but he is a, a big body. He can go get the football. And more importantly, he can run after the catch. So I get excited about him. And you would think for Notre Dame, I mean, just with how close Chicago is, like that's a layup. And, and sure, it, it's a layup, but you still got to score the bucket. And I think that's another thing that stands out about what Marcus Freeman has done in the Irish. I mean, Bryce Young, pass catcher, uh, or excuse me, pass rusher out of out of the Charlotte area. His dad's in the NFL Hall of Fame. Like to me, that screams Notre Dame kid. Uh, but Notre Dame still has to go recruit that individual in this NIL landscape and NIL war uh, and get them on campus and, and get them committed. And Bryce Young was a big riser for us in this most recent update, you know, moving from outside the top 247 into the top 100. He's had a heck of a, a senior season, 14 sacks, 18 tackles for loss. Like I said, you know, he's got the bloodlines, also runs some tracks. So those are guys they get excited about. And then Kendron Young, I mean, we know Notre Dame wants to kind of run the football. We've seen what they've done in between the tackles there. He moved up to our number three running back at the mid midseason update. Uh, Going to get him in the All-American Bowl. Uh, but he's got some Audric to him. He's a big, rocked-up individual. Um, and he can run you over. He can run around you. And then when he gets a crease, he's got the speed to find the end zone. So those are some of my favorite guys in, in Notre Dame's class. I really like Cam Williams' game a lot. I think that's a guy who could be a difference maker for them. Maybe not year one, but certainly by by year two, you know, could grow into that. I also think just if you're kind of taking your notes at home and and doing a little post mortem on the season, Notre Dame really liked what it had with its young receivers this year, and it felt like they just could never stay healthy. I would read Irish Illustrated and like, oh, this guy's in a boot again. This guy's got you know an, an ankle or a hand or or whatever it was. It just seemed like they never could get the right combination of guys on the field do the health at the same time. And like they have recruited some pretty athletic dudes who are real young this year. So it wouldn't totally shock me if the Irish receiving core takes a big jump next year. Like I, I don't think that they're totally reliant just on this class to, to make the difference. Oh, oh, but Jordan Faison, I'm like the president of his fan club, but the fact that he is playing and making plays for Notre Dame is, is probably not, a good sign. And for those not familiar, I mean, Jordan Faison, he had the touchdown against Louisville, scored this past weekend against Stanford. He was committed to play lacrosse at, at Notre Dame, like signed, sealed, and delivered to play lacrosse and started playing football later on in his prep career at a, a really small school in Fort Lauderdale, Pinecrest. I think they've only had, I, he might be the first football player that's come out of there. They've had some basketball kids and he played in this local all-star game. It was a uh, Miami Dade versus Broward County it was like two days before Christmas last year. And he was one of the best players on the field. So we went ahead and, and we're like, I'm like, I'm going to rank him. They're saying he could walk onto the football team. But as soon as he takes a snap, you know, he he he's now a member of that of that 85. And, and sure enough, they needed him. So uh, if he's playing, then I think Cam Williams is going to have a chance to play in, in 2024. The on-field results were, were were just so much better than they were last year, too, right? Like, a, every time they were a big favorite, they, they smoked the opponent. I mean, USC wasn't close. They smoked Pitt. They smoked Wake, Stanford. And we might say, yeah, some of those teams aren't very good. That That's fair. But, like, in 2022, they screwed around with those teams. Like, they lost as, like, a 17-point favorite and a 14-point favorite. So I do think there is some signal in every week when you're supposed to crush, you crush. And then they battled against the team's that were good teams like NC State. They took some punches early and then they, they responded and won by 21. They, they fought Ohio State down to the wire. Louisville was tough, but that came after a, a pretty tough you know sequence of Ohio State, which is a heartbreaking loss. Duke, a hard fought game you know, to the end. Louisville is a pretty good team, actually. Like, like occasionally they'll have some insane turnover luck, like when they're playing Pitt or, or I guess last week against Kentucky. Now, and then, you know, Clemson, Clemson still has real athletes. Like, there's no real shame. And losing by a single score at Death Valley. So I, I kind of think Notre Dame is going in the right direction. And I don't know that I saw it in 2022. In 2022, I was like, I don't know, man. Like this, Freeman's going to need to take a big leap. And I, I kind of think there's something there. I mean, you could say this about literally any program we're going to talk about uh, or any of the 130 FBS programs out there. But fascinated to see what they try to do in the transfer portal when it opens up. And I think... 
I've heard some different names out there, not just the, the quarterback linked to them. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like Notre Dame wants to, you know, get involved with that type of player. I, you know, that to me signals, all right, this is headed in the right direction. They're in, aligned internally. They know what they need. Uh, there's a board in place and they're going to make moves. And I know we're, most of the listeners on here don't eat like are just focused learning these names, but look to the 2025 cycle. I think Notre Dame's got the number five class right now talking with Tom Loy, who does an excellent job covering uh, the Irish for 24 seven sports. He thinks they're going to add another big name so they could be moving up even more in that cycle. So just overall, I think the arrow is pointing up uh, when it comes to talent acquisition for the Irish. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's stay in the Midwest here. Uh, well, Pennsylvania, the Midwest, not really. It's more Eastern, but but it, it's it's not the South, and it's not like crazy Northeast. So uh, Midwest-ish, Big Ten-ish. All right, Big Ten country, which Notre Dame is is in, even though they're not in the Big Ten. Let's talk a little Penn State here. Penn State putting together another excellent class, 13th overall on the 24-7 sports. I, I mean, who do you really like from Penn State's class? I have a scouting crush on Luke Reynolds <laughs> tight end commit. He's a five-star prospect for us. And I mean, if you follow my work, you, you know, Cooper Patagna, like we've been pounding the table for Luke Reynolds since the elite 11 finals this past summer. And that's a quarterback event. And we really didn't know much about Luke Reynolds at all when we showed up and, and they invited out some different pass catchers. They kind of focus on the tight ends, the elite 11 staff did, which I think is an excellent play. Like that is a, such a smart play to just focus on one position group. And Luke Reynolds caught more passes than anyone else over the course of, of two days. And rare to see that sometimes these big time recruits will run a few routes. And then the next thing you know, they're in sweatpants, hanging out, drinking, drinking Kool-Aid, you know, flirting with the trainers. That was not the case for Luke Reynolds. He wanted to compete. So, we loved him then, dug into the profile, former quarterback, basketball player, elite testing profile. And then we're like, all right, let's see what he does here as a senior. And man, his senior season has been something else. I was actually watching his quarterback commit last night, Dante Reno, who's headed to South Carolina. And Luke Reynolds made two insane catches uh, just on go routes down the sideline, beating you know, large defensive backs that can run. So I'm a big fan of him. I think he could be an X factor in the Big Ten. I think Penn State did an excellent job of making that evaluation, getting him committed, because if this was a guy that was on the open market right now, I mean, there would be schools all around the country that want him. So big fan of Luke Reynolds and just thinking about what Penn State wants to do on offense you know, I, I think he's going to give them something they haven't really had at that at that tight end position in terms of just a guy that can supplement the passing game. And hopefully, this encourages more good prospects to come out and run at stuff like like, like the opening yeah. of Elite Eleven. I mean, he you're I, we were out there. I was like, okay, this is a pretty big deal if you're throwing to Reynolds dur- during Elite Eleven. Like, like he's he's a legitimate difference maker. You know, it just because Jeremiah Smith was out there. What he he had he had a tournament the next day, right? Did, didn't he have uh, to go to, to the overtime or something like that? Um, all I know is me and 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 Cooper Patagna. Well, we're gonna get like Luke Reynolds nil gear. That that's gonna be in the Ivans and Patagna households. And he's just an awesome kid to talk with to talk to. So always like the ones where you can endorse them and like like all right, I'm rooting for you on Saturdays. Yeah, you you, you want to bet on the kid? It's like some kids you have to take because the traits just. It's hard to find the traits, and you hope he doesn't act like an idiot at 
you like the ones that you're like, yeah, I like this kid as a player and as a person. So uh, quarterback-wise, much like Notre Dame, I think Penn State fans have a lot to be happy about with, with, with Ethan Grunkmeyer, a guy who we saw at the Elite 11 and honestly like has some pretty nice tools. Yeah, I mean, same thing as kind of with Luke Reynolds. And right, I mean, you want to really peel it back. You go into the Elite 11 finals and you know most of the big name arms that are going to be there. And there's 24 quarterbacks there, or is it 20, something like that. But there's a lot of different guys from different parts of the country. And for being a talent evaluator, some of them you haven't seen. And Ethan Grunkmeyer, out of the state of Ohio, uh, I totally forgot this until I was doing a little prep for this show. You know, the state of Ohio doesn't really allow their high school athletes to play seven on seven. And the seven on seven circuit, bud, you know, it's kind of, it's not really key to the evaluation process, but it it provides valuable data exposure points. And a lot of these big time quarterback prospects, they'll play for multiple teams. Um, I don't even know how that's legal. I mean, you'll have kids from California playing on Florida teams. It's hard to keep track. Um, But Grunkmeyer is someone we didn't really see. And my evaluation of him heading in the Elite 11 finals is like, wow, this kid could be something. He's got the tools, but I have no idea what to think. And that's because as a sophomore and junior, he was 7-15 and on Friday nights, a 7-15 and record, which is a bit of a red flag. Uh, I think with the quarterback position, I mean, you're going to hear a variety of different things about what matters. I think one of the biggest things is, all right, is this guy going to win games? Can he win games? Has he won games? What is he going to do You know, when he's got a deficit? And obviously some of these kids are, on all-star loaded teams where they're surrounded by talent. It's much easier to win games in that case. But, you know, other times they're the best player on the field. And it's like, well, he's not getting it done. So we liked Grunkmeyer routes on air out, out at the Elite 11 finals. We moved him into the top two, four, seven. And then it's just been a completely different story here as a senior. He ended up going 11 and two, completed 67% of his passes, 3,400 yards, uh, 39 touchdowns, nine interceptions, also ran for three scores. I think this kid, when we look at all of the quarterbacks at the top of the board in the 2024 cycle, he is the one that is is fearless when it comes to challenging the middle of the field. Like he does, he's not afraid to throw it into the teeth of the defense. And, and I love that about him. Um, super unique story with him as well. Actually grew up as an Ohio State fan. I think he said the first time he ever went uh, to Penn State was for Ohio State. It was like a whiteout. He went there as an Ohio State fan, and you know, years later, now he's committed to the Nittany Lions. But no, I think Penn State excellent evaluation. It's just like with Drew Aller and uh, Grunkmeyer actually worked with Drew Aller's quarterback coach there uh, in Ohio. They trained with the same guy. But yes, I, I I think he's got all the tools. Interested to see you know who Penn State taps as the uh, next OC. Um, but that quarterback room is also very fruitful because uh, we like Jackson Smolik, who they took last year, flipped him from Tulane. So if you're a Penn State fan, I, I read you guys all the time on Lions 24-7. I, I, they do a tremendous job there. I've known Tyler you know, forever. Offensive line has been a bit of a bugaboo for this program and this team, not so much on a week-to-week basis, but when they go up against like the very best teams. And look, a lot of teams look bad when you go face a bunch of, of future NFL defensive linemen. So there's no shame in at times struggling to block in Ohio State or Michigan. But I, mean, I look at this, you got a top 100 tackle, you got a top 150 guard, you got another tackle who's just outside the top 150. This has to be one of the better offensive line halls in the country. It's something that Penn State fans can actually be pretty excited about. I mean, it's a non-sexy position, but it's one that if you don't have it, you're going to find out real quick. Yeah, I'm shooting from the hip right here. I would think it's probably a... Number two in the Big Ten, uh, probably maybe behind Michigan, which isn't surprising given, you know, the success they've had it with that unit here in recent seasons. Uh, no, I, I think that is the strength of the class. And then, but I, I I might be completely off base here, but when I watched Penn State this season, the big question mark for me was wide receiver. Yeah. Like, what what is going on at this wide receiver position? And then you look at their commit list. I don't really love any of the three guys they got committed. They got Peter Gonzalez, uh, Josiah Brown, and, and Tysier Denmark. I think Gonzalez is maybe my favorite of the bunch, but I don't know if these are individuals that can be 
wide receiver one on Saturdays and beat the cornerbacks that you're going to see at Ohio State and Michigan, uh, you know, consistently beat them. And to me, like everyone wants to point with Drew and the offense, like I just wonder about that receiver position. And I mentioned it a few minutes ago. You know, this is one of the most stacked wide receiver cycles we've ever seen. And Penn State never really made a run at any of these high profile guys, these these five star guys. And I don't know, that's that's just something that I've been pondering and, and wondering about. And maybe we have our evaluations completely wrong on, on those three receivers that I mentioned. But to me, that's where they need an influx of talent. And I, I would not be surprised if that's where they got super active in the transfer portal. Well, I think a lot of it comes down to, and and this is a program that has put receivers in the NFL and and pretty consistently, right? Like we, we can think back on all the names, Dotson being one of the most recent ones. Uh, they went to the portal in the offseason and they got Cephas from Kent State. He was not able to get in for spring, if I recall. And so like he, you know, he was there for summer and just really never emerged as the number one. And so it like when I watched him, I agree with you. I'm like Keandre Lambert Smith is a guy that's got a chance to play in the NFL, but he's not he's not like a one for a team that is a serious playoff contender, right? He's right. Like really it, nice too. And if, if he's not, like you can get away with multiple of those guys, but I think they lack the depth. In ter- like I'm not saying you need a for sure first round receiver to to move the offense down the field, but I, I just think the the floor of that room needs to be raised. And, and and hopefully the ceiling as well. I mean, go get one of those dudes. Um, and, and like to me, Cam Coleman, who some of your listeners might be familiar with, you know, five-star receiver out of Alabama, was committed to Texas A&M. Florida State's been involved. Auburn, I think, now leads on the 24-7 sports crystal ball. Like, why, why didn't Penn State just make a phone call and, and try to get involved there? Because that's something that they don't have on the roster. And maybe they did. Uh, but we saw Penn State try to recruit the Yellowhammer State last cycle. Like, they've gotten a little active down there. Remember, they beat Auburn. What was that, two years ago at Auburn? So that's the question for me with Penn State. What are you, you going to do at wide receiver? It makes a lot of sense. They, they're they going to have to be really active in the portal. I, I think they have some stuff to sell there, obviously, because Drew has such a nice arm. and You, you can watch some uh, just in that game against Michigan State. They're like The ability to push the ball down the field uh, is there. It would be nice if you had guys who are a little more open uh, to throw to certainly, and they'll probably need some of these young guys on the roster, you know, to step up as well. It's hard to go out and get, you know, multiple studs from the portal at really any position. Receiver is going to be a, a position that's going to be pursued by everybody at NC State today, actually, with a really nice win, uh, keeping Concepcion home. He just announced uh, right before he went on the air that he's sticking uh, with <laughs> NC State, which is, you know, was that like Warren a- comes out. Was that like a graphic or we like a notes app? Like that's where we're at now. If you're a freshman, you have a good season. You need to announce that you are staying. The collective, uh, I, I think it was pretty well known that people were were, were sniffing around there. So it, the, the collective tweeted out a graphic. But Doran had come out after a nine win season at NC State and said, "Hey, like we we, we need people and we need five thousand people to give a thousand bucks or something like that." And uh, they they ended up keeping them. So. Uh, congrats to Concepcion on what I'm assuming is a nice payday. And congrats to NC State because another team that really needed receivers was NC State. So you know, we'll see what they're able to do there in the portal at Penn State. Make sure everybody checks out uh, Lions 247 for just an awesome job that they do. We'll go ahead and hit a break here. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. We're talking a lot of high school recruiting and high school recruiting, I still believe is the bedrock of building a quality program. Like you, you can, you can fill some of your needs with some of these weak link positions and you can bolster your team and maybe make a run at something with some of like the, the positions where a stud can make a difference. But man, it is hard to consistently live out of the portal. You know, for every portal success story, team wise, I, I can point to you three or four that, that are, are pretty disappointed in what they got out of the portal this year. So like high school is still really important. But if you're working in the back office, like, man, a lot of your focus in about a a week here when the portal officially opens, because right now all we have going in is grad transfers, I believe. 
once the undergrad window opens on December 4th, I believe it is, dude, a lot of the focus is going to shift. And I'm curious, like if you were a high school recruit right now, are you jumping on any offer that you think is still valid or are you still going to play the waiting game? Well, I think it depends on what position you play. <laughs> if you're if you're an offensive tackle or a pass rusher, I mean, there's a few a select few, man, that if you I tell kids this every cycle, like if you wait it out, you're you're going to have options. You had no idea were options because you are a body at a position that everyone wants. And uh, <laughs> it. so, yeah, I, I think if I'm a kid, I'm jumping on whatever spot I can right now. And and I'm not talking about, hey, the the top two, four, seven guys in the country. Um, but I think schools are as open as ever to adding transfers from a lower level. And I think we could be getting close into not like a farm system, but just that upward trajectory. And yes, I, you're right. Only graduate transfers can officially be in the, in the portal right now. But, but you talk to college staffs. I had some school tell me, Hey, we need to get a little more Ivy league in this locker room. It's like, what you want Ivy league players. And, yeah, man, they, they're guys that come in, they are going to go to class, they're going to go to the weight room, they're going to have a good GPA, and they're not going to be out of position when we need them to. They're going to be able to learn the playbook in the spring. Um, so it's just fascinating to see how it has really changed. I absolutely agree with you. You can't just focus on the transfer portal. Look at the SEC championship game this weekend. Georgia's going to start C.J. Allen. I think he was our number four linebacker in the 2023 cycle as a true freshman. And he started three straight games. And I think he's been two-time newcomer of the week in the SEC. You got to get, like, <laughs> the best of the best are still recruiting the high school ranks. And yeah, C.J. Allen's out there maybe because of injury. But at Alabama, you have Caleb Downs. Our number one safety has been a regular for the Crimson Tide in, in, in the back end. And then, you have Caden Proctor starting at the tackle position, another true freshman, our, our number one ranked offensive tackle. So I, I agree with you. Like you have to continue to recruit the high school ranks. Now I do think you can kind of catch lightning in a pan with some transfers. Um, you look at Florida state, but once you start winning those games and you elevate your profile, you need to use that to recruit high school talent. And I, I was watching that Florida, Florida state game. Saturday night and it's like, okay, Patrick Payton, two sacks for Florida state. Like that is a big deal. That is a guy who was a late riser down in Miami Dade County. Uh, Miami didn't want him. Florida state wanted him. And you know, now he's making an impact opposite of Jared verse. Like, I don't think you can build your whole team on transfers. You can certainly fill some holes, but at the end of the day, it's still important to build through what I call the NFL draft which is high school recruiting. Yes, free agency is fine, but how many teams are playing for a Super Bowl because they've got a bunch of free agents? You know, they got some guys that were fifth, sixth, seventh round picks playing key roles. Totally right. And I, at some positions too, just the, not only is it hard to win the transfer recruiting battles, in some cases, the player is just not available like throughout the entire country. You know, look, look at Ohio State. Like they, they needed to take multiple transfer offensive lineman this year Michigan did too and like I don't think the guys they took are necessarily amazing players like like offensive tackle real impact defensive linemen are not as plentiful as as we would think that they are I mean you mentioned Jared Verse like like certainly but there's a lot of guys out there you know, who probably have not made quite that impact quarterback too like we talk about all these transfer quarterbacks who's been a really good transfer quarterback in the 23 class 22 is pretty good but even some of those guys were never on the market. Like Caleb Williams was not on the market. He's, I think it was pretty well understood that when Riley left Oklahoma to go to USC, that's where Williams was going to follow. So as far as guys who are truly, let's call them gettable, like not a lot of, of real difference makers at quarterback even at times. So I, I, I do think that your real high upside players largely continue to come from high school, at least from you know my, my initial look at it. But man, you can get a lot of depth, and and you're mentioning like the Ivy League stuff. You can get a lot of really high floor players out there who played a lot of football. And as a coach, you're going to sleep better at night. Like, all right, this guy can start for us. 
Is he going to be a difference maker? No. Is he going to be getting me fired? Also, no. Right. And that's, <laughs> that's a pretty important part, right? Yeah. I, I just think more schools are figuring out, all right, we can mine the FCS ranks a little bit. We can look to get other guys. Cause we've seen them in this season. Look at Missouri's running back, you know, D2 transfer name slipping the top of my mind right now, but He's had a ton of success there in the SEC. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah. So I think schools are as open to that as ever. I also think, you know, what's going on right now is there's so many names in the transfer portal. These personnel departments, you know, they're not even watching who is is going into the portal. It's just like, hey, we got to get this kid in on a visit because he, you know, PFF said he played 500 snaps. And I think that is going to lead to roster mismanagement. Uh, there's such a rush to get these veteran guys in there. And then sometimes they're just not a fit and it's just an ever ending cycle in terms of like, all right, this guy came from a power five, you know, in theory, he should be able to play. And just like with, you know, any level of of football scouting and evaluating, like you're going to miss. And I think that's dangerous right now. I mean, because I know staffs all around the country that are, Hey, who's going to enter the portal? You know, we got to enter enter the portal, and at the same time, they're trying to play defense with their their roster. It's just it's it's. I don't think the common fan understands how crazy it is right now. It is it's insane, and it's really just a product of, of the calendar being messed up. Like we we should have different windows for this, and I think you can have different windows for this without restricting, you know, player freedom or or, or putting rules that are just going to get you like instantly sued. Honestly, like this is kind of fixable. And I think the other thing is throwing the NIL aspect, right? They got to put some guidelines in there. And I'm all for like players making money on their name, image, and likeness. But what's happening right now is you have players on teams that are walking into coaching offices that are saying, hey, if I enter the portal, this team's going to pay me X amount of dollars. Okay. And the, 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 sitting head coach is going to be like, well, time out, time out, time out. Let me, let me see if I can get that imaginary figure. Then they get that figure and the players get, I heard a story about a player who's like, all right, well, I'm still transferring. That player walked down in the locker room and told everyone, Hey, they got $40,000 available. Go get it. Like there needs to be some type of on the books, you know, transaction or there's the bubbles eventually going to burst because the funding's all over the place. I think, um, I mean, clearly the NCAA screwed around and and messed this up pretty hard because they just drug their feet forever. Like they, they had an opportunity to be proactive and they procrastinated and now it's just, you know, sort of too little too late. I, I have a feeling the courts are going to handle it for them, you know, and eventually we're just going to be revenue sharing more on the books, guys locked into legitimate contracts type thing uh, that, that it's more of a, of a known payroll system. And honestly, if we do go that, we're not that far off from like a salary cap type thing either. So could give a lot of hope to some teams that never win anything, you know, who knows? We, uh, we, we, we shall see. Uh, did want to talk a little bit about Georgia's quarterback. So two quarterback class, not something we see all that often anymore. I think we used to see it a little bit more often, but uh, Ryan Puglisi and obviously the number one quarterback in the country, uh, Dylan Raiola, what do you like about these guys and, and how do you think their skill sets are, are unique? So I've been digging through all the quarterbacks, right? Because we've got senior seasons are over. We've got signing day, all-star games, our rankings go final. So I'm in the middle of watching all these quarterbacks and started with the Georgia guys. And I'll talk about them here in a second. You said it, bud. It's rare to see two quarterback classes. And I've been thinking about this like all night and this morning. Is Georgia ahead of the curve here? Just with all the player movement and the quarterbacks moving, like I would just take multiple arms and just let it figure out. Like, you know, these guys are going to transfer. I'm just wondering if like Kirby has kind of figured something out. And now Georgia didn't sign a quarterback in the 2023 cycle. And if you look at what's next, Carson Beck is going to go to the NFL. They got Brock Vandergriff behind him, Gunnar Stockton who was in the 22 cycle, apparently had a, had a good year. Wait, was Gunnar Stockton in the 22? I, I don't know. They got, was he a 23? I can't remember. I might've just botched that. He might've been in the 22. Okay. B- Bama took two last year, but I'm not really sure that those are on the same level. 
personally, just from watching them. Um, I just, I just think there's limited risk in in taking two quarterbacks if you know that the movement and the roster turnover is what it is right now. And I think for Georgia, this kind of sets up perfect for post the Carson Beck, and we'll see who's still in Athens. You have Dylan Rayola, who has been kind of the five star from the jump, right? He's been the number one quarterback. I mean, he's the number one quarterback for us right now. He's been the number one player for us. We'll see where he finishes, but he is a, a known commodity, not just to Georgia fans, but really all, all college football fans. And then you have this kid, Ryan Puglisi, who goes to school up in Connecticut. Um, and he hasn't had as much hype around him. And I think having watched both those guys, final games here as of their senior seasons like I don't think there's a massive gap between the two and I think that sets up perfect for Georgia looking down the line because Dylan Rayola knows that there is someone right behind him coming for the job and if you're Ryan Puglisi you know who you got to beat to win the job and Go back to the Elite 11 Finals. I know we keep talking about the Elite 11 Finals, but both those guys were there as finalists. And the media tried to drum it up, all right, Puglisi versus Dylan Rayola. And they kind of downplayed it. But having been around quarterbacks for all this time and interacted with them, there's definitely got to be some type of rivalry kind of brewing there. And, you know, Rayola, um, I thought his senior season was super clean. Went 11-2. and two. They lost... Uh, this past weekend in the third round of Georgia's playoffs, highest classification. Um, he threw just one interception over the course of the season, just one interception interception rate, I think was 80 or something like that. So one pass, every 80 throws. Um, that's super low. Yeah. Well, that that's his career. Excuse me, that's his career one. You know, he's a big frame guy. And I think what, what, what makes him different is he just doesn't take a, ton of bad risks now he will push the ball down the field but you look at georgia and what they want to do on offense they want to control the football right and you know they will take a shot but they don't want a quarterback that is going to just give it away and i think that is dylan rayola Uh, he protects the football um you know he's got a baseball background you'll see it in the highlights and on the social media you know he's kind of got that mahomes sidearm he tries to if the opportunity presents itself, he loves to shape shots around defenders. Like I've, you'll be watching a game. He's like, "Wait, did he really just do that?" Um, but I, I think for him, so number one, it starts protecting the football, and then just how he moves in the pocket and, and creates and, and extends plays. I mean, he is six three. Seen him listed anywhere from two hundred twenty pounds to two hundred thirty pounds. Like he's built like Ben Roethlisberger, and I think he kind of moves a little bit like him. So. I thought it was a good senior season for him. Didn't have the best wide receivers around him, but he was still clean and efficient. Um, 64.2% passer over his career. Now, Puglisi, on the other hand, I'm I'm starting to come around on him. And uh, he is only one of three quarterbacks ever that have been in the Elite 11 Finals and the Area Code Games. I'm sure you're familiar with the Area Code Games, but that's what Elite Baseball Camp or... Yeah, you, you need to be pretty damn good at, at, at baseball to play in that, from from what I understand. Is that me or do we lose Ivans? Uh, I think that might be my internet. We will see. Are we still going? <laughs> uh, yeah, you're still going here. Okay. I didn't. I didn't know if you were going to count me in. No, you're good. No, I, I I think with Puglisi, so he's another baseball kid. It's funny. Both these guys are baseball guys, and. He he could have played college baseball. I'm sure Dylan Rayola, if he wanted to, he could have as well. He has a ton of velocity on his football, um, just like Dylan Rayola, but he's he's got less touch. But I think he's a better athlete, and he's someone that you can run like RPOs with, and you can run designed designed quarterback draws and stuff. And he's going to pick up yardage. So I thought Puglisi's senior season w- was impressive. Um, and I, I don't know. I just I like the idea of these two potentially battling it out over the next few years in, in Georgia. And I think Kirby Smart, how he set it up there with that offensive staff. I mean, they're playing like I don't know. They're playing the long game 
better than most. All right. So shocked, surprised, or not surprised if Ryan eventually beats out Dylan? I would go not surprised. Not surprised. So we like this is, and that's more about Ryan being a legitimately really good prospect than it is Dylan. Obviously, like we 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 think Dylan's a hell of a prospect. Right, right. I'll put it like this. Another way I thought about it, you know, I think there are, you know, probably 20 Power 5 teams out there that would love to get Ryan Puglisi, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, you could drop him in some quarterback rooms and he'd instantly be the guy with the best tools. You know, it just needs, just needs to polish and, and fine-tune some things. You asked, like, like, is Georgia ahead of the curve? I think yes, but I'm also not sure what they do is replicable at a whole lot of other places, right? Like, like they, they can do some of these things, like recruit three of the top four linebackers in the country last year because of, of, of the logo on the polo and, and the prestige of the program and the fact that they've won you know, 29 straight, or 28 or 29 straight games at this point, it, which doesn't make what they're doing not smart or not like they're clearly pressing an edge, but you have to kind of have the edge to be able to press it. So I'm not really sure how many other teams could really pull that off. A lot of, a lot of four-star or five-star quarterbacks say, uh, I don't know about that, but if you're Georgia, you can kind of like, Hey, we're, we're taking two. It's, it's an edge. Yeah. I guess, I guess let me, let me rephrase that. I, I just think right now with where we are and we've talked about it, the NIL, the transfer portal, like if I'm running a recruiting department or I am school at, or head coach at power five school, I'm trying to hoard as many arms as I can. Cause I know every year I'm going to lose these arms. I'm going to lose, lose some of them. So when you look at some of these programs and it's like, Hey, you didn't take a quarterback this cycle from the high school ranks. It's like, what, what are you thinking? Because it's, there's only a certain amount of them out there. And we see it every time a kid enters the transfer portal from a power five school you're like, oh, there's no, you know, you have an idea in your head. You have an idea of what level he's going to go. And they usually ex- exceed those expectations and are going to a better program. Um, so that's something I'm, you know, I, I, I just think not enough schools are taking that approach in terms of like, all right, we got to get arms in, we got to get arms in, we got to get arms in. Uh, back to Georgia, you brought up, I had someone in their building tell me this uh, a few weeks ago. Kirby has made it very clear to that staff that they do not take developmental guys. If they take developmental guys, they will be over-recruited in one year. And I think that's the culture that they have created in Athens. CJ Allen, I just mentioned him, freshman linebacker playing three games. He knows that Georgia's bringing in dudes the next cycle, and you got to prove it year-round on the practice field. And I think that's the environment, you know, that is there. That is the brand. That is the identity for Georgia. And further evidence of that is how many transfers out of Georgia have we seen gone to other schools and instantly been one of the best players on that defense or, or offense? Not, I mean, so Tyreek Stevenson, right? Yep. Uh, Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson. Uh, uh, the receiver at Texas. Eddie Mitchell, like, but not a ton. Right? Uh, I, like, there, there are certainly some. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's, there's been a few. But you're gonna have, when you recruit that level, like, you're gonna have like dudes still have that. If you're good enough to get a scholarship to Georgia, your natural physical ability is going to be pretty much off the charts at this point. Yeah. So it, it, you would expect to have, have some. But I, I, I agree with you. Like they, they do a great job of self-selecting. But what it doesn't mean, like, what you don't want to do is do like the late stage Mac Brown, Texas thing where you're only like where you're taking finished products only. Right. And and you're not staying attuned to who's still developing throughout their senior year of high school, you know, because if you take just the guys who are the best at the end of their junior year and you fill up your class early, which Georgia doesn't do this, but like clearly like like they, you you need to kind of always just be mindful of, all right, some guys develop on a different timeline. And I think there are some guys where it's like, all right, he's not a project but he's probably not a guy who can play for us as a freshman. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we, we, don't, we don't take developmental guys, meaning like we don't want to take a guy who just, if he hits, it'll be a hit in year four. But clearly right. you have to be tolerable of, of guys who could hit in year two. I think they t- they're so dialed in and calculated that everyone is brought in with an assumed timeline. And, and yeah. it, if they aren't meeting certain criteria at certain points, then 
you will be passed up. And and they do. I mean, they don't they aren't just recruiting based off of junior seasons. Look what they've done here in, in recent weeks. They go and, and flip Naz Johnson, defensive lineman out of Georgia, who is committed to Florida. They flip him. He's out of a heck of a senior season. They flipped Andre Evans, a defensive back out of Tennessee from LSU. Uh, they're about to take Marcellus Barnes, corner that was previously committed to Virginia Tech. You got Terrell Anderson, the receiver that was committed to NC State. Like those guys evaluate, and it, it, it's impressive. And and almost all of them camp in the summer as well. They're they're basically just picking and choosing at this point. Drafting. It's yeah. Dra- that's that's it, man. That, that they're uh, doesn't appear to be slowing down anytime soon for sure. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. This is the uh, recruiting stuff you need to know episode of Cover Three. And uh, so, what what you guys talk about today on on the recruiting pod? We talked a little Colorado okay. <laughs> about uh, you know what what the plan is there. I mean, a, a slew of decommitments in in recent weeks. Um, talked a little Colorado. Talked a little Mike Elko to to Texas A and M. You know, I'm I'm fascinated to kind of see how that that plays out because Mike Elko obviously familiar with the landscape at Texas A&M but if you look at what he did at Duke you know Duke in the 2024 cycle their recruiting class was basically done i think by the end of June and now he's pivoting or or changing environments where it's going to be a lot different you know but I, i'm wondering if if they keep the same kind of I don't know, thought process in place. Like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to trust our evaluations. We're going to try to get these guys committed early on. And then we also talked a little bit about Fran Brown, Georgia's DB coach. You know, I don't know if that's official yet, but tons of reports. He, he might be the next head coach at, at Syracuse, Fran Brown, number one ranked recruiter right now for 24 seven sports. I mean, he has been an animal on the trail for the Bulldogs, not only getting DBs to Athens, but um, some other just different parts and, you know, I, I would be fired up to see what he could do at Syracuse. And then I would love to to know how Georgia is going to backfill that position because um, Kirby's going to have options. But as, as, as my buddy Cooper Patagna points out, you know, it's pretty hard to find a defensive back coach that can not only coach, but also recruit. It's kind of either get one one or the other. Um, so if you can get a breed of of one that has the blend of both, you know, you're set up for a ton of success. Awesome, man. Can't wait to go download that thing. I appreciate you coming on. Of course, bud. Thanks for having me, man.